Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Free on Free podcast. We are close to halfway through the season. Ignoring the noise from everybody, we're only halfway through the season. So we thought that we would delve down through the next few weeks over we over a few clubs, seeing how they're going on, and so on and so forth. We'll give our thoughts and views and opinions, and we'll go from there. So to have that, we need a base, and we have the diva. And uh, I'm not sure, I, I can't, I, I'm thinking a bit of a browbeat Scott. John, Scott, good evening. How are you, gents? I'm absolutely glorious, as per recently... Bit disappointed some games didn't get played this weekend or one certain game. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to that, but uh, yeah, delighted to see you all, boys. Yeah, the Blazer, hot and cold. We lose some, we win some, but uh, Johnny Curran, baby, I'm I'm very happy. John, was I expecting him to start bursting into Katy Perry then? Was that the <laughs> only one? Which one are you thinking there then? Been a, been a hot and cold. I'm older than which, which song I used to be fair, mate, so you've kind of got me on that one. So, Scott, when you do the editing, just please cut it where it says, I'm old, just for confirmation, yeah. and then we're good for the rest of the season. I was uh, going to sing if we were, we wouldn't, but we didn't, <laughs> so I'm not singing. Are you disappointing the punters? So, we're going to start with, um, allegedly, the biggest team in the Midlands area, uh, and we'll go to Nottingham. And we have someone who was very well received last time he was on the pod. We've got Ant. Good evening, matey. How are you? Uh, doing a bit better tonight. Um, after after that, but uh, yeah, it's good to, good to uh, chat with you all again. Uh, I'm going to say it's like a Cheshire cat, mate. That grin. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, been a long time coming. <laughs> I, exactly. I mean, this is recording after Nottingham beat five four three, and as we found out this weekend, beating five isn't for everybody. Um, so, like I say, it's a mid-season review, and we're going to do it over the next few weeks. Uh, so, it's a few questions. And just to you know, see how things are going. So, from a hockey perspective, and I appreciate it could be a difficult one. How, how do you sum up the season so far for the Panthers? Um, started off pretty promising. Um, I know Scott alluded on your last podcast to that he thought we were punching above our weight somewhat. We weren't a good team. Um, I disagree. Um, but then Scott's not had the pleasure of watching the Panthers for the week in, week out for the last few seasons. So, what we saw was um, straight from the beginning, a team that clearly clicked together and worked together. But I feel that we kind of almost put all our eggs in one basket and we built the team around Johnson. And then what happened, happened. Um, and just to mention your, I did message you, you know, separately from this, but your your podcast that you did, you were the first ones to do anything after the incident. That was such a help for me personally ahead of, you know, we, we were in Scotland and um, we did our own um, coverage of it. So, you know, you, your coverage of that was fantastic. So thank you very much. And it's oh, been a you. really hard and pretty shitty, shitty time and shitty thing to happen, isn't it? It's, it's just been horrible. Okay, so Padder is our pep. A bit off the beaten track for your normal appointments, if, if it's fair to, to say. How, how do you think he's um, he's settling in? In Nottingham, I really like him, um, and he's he's clearly struggling with the language. I think at the moment, um, I think um, he's he's probably a little bit 
because English obviously isn't his first language, so getting across his message in um, in in interviews and stuff. He saw the last interview that he did. He looked absolutely just shot. He he just looked, you know, completely worn out, knackered. Um, but that you know, all all I hear coming out from the club um, is how well him, Kevin Moore, Rick Strachan work as a as a unit. So having more in Strachan doing the interviews, I'm completely fine with. But um, I think um, it's, again, look, looking back on previous years, it, it's nice to get to Christmas, go and get beyond Christmas into New Year, and we're not looking, we're not calling for the coaches uh, to be relieved of his duties. I think he's the, the, there's been signs um, but that, that fantastic win in Cardiff that I was delighted to be down there for. Um, you know that that showed what we could do as a club, and and it's the, this run that we've been on. It's it's been difficult, but we've not apart from Sheffield, who are just blowing everybody away. Forget about it. You know the league's gone, um, which delights uh, David when when people say, when people say that. There's no, I, I mean I said it in our last podcast as well, John. The only team that can stop the Sheffield Steelers is the Sheffield Steelers. Um, but we've been there and there, but we were we were awful away in Guildford. Uh, we weren't great at home to Coventry, but other than that, every game since we've been in it to the very last minute. And even the games against Sheffield, the game at Christmas on the on the on the twenty seventh, we're four 0 down, and Sheffield just sat back. They could have gone for the uh, you know and and gone and absolutely annihilated, but Sheffield sat back. They protected the goalie, and they our team just carried on going. And I think that's. Parade, Paraday, that's a, a thing that he's had in his in his teams, you know, you know, throughout his coaching career. So, I mean, the roof would have come up, come off that arena had we got one on the twenty seventh. It was. I know this is probably going on to a different thing, and I've not really answered your question. I've, I've answered my own question in a very politician-y way. <laughs> I expect you to be set up for a by-election in in some few weeks. <laughs> no, the Tory. No. There we go. Hell no. Um, <laughs> I just want to kind of although with my job although with my job on the line I probably shouldn't have like tie my uh, banners to whatever mast um but we, we I have to remain independent. We we can edit things, it's fine. And we'll keep <laughs> the stuff that we think is entertaining. Um but just go carry on the theme of Christmas. And I'm asking this from a, a rivalry perspective. How weird but how good was it the reception after Nottingham got the in, she- in Sheffield, after they got the man of match and they actually went on a around the rink and how weird was it but all kind of a rounding circle of everything that's happened between them two clubs over the it last It wasn't just that Dave it was the the fact that you allowed us to come up earlier in the week and train get back on the ice at, at Sheffield Um I mean it's just it's a very very there's never been this sort of that we know of there's never been this sort of you know um, cooperation or camaraderie with between those two clubs at all there's it's we know the figureheads, polarising figureheads that both teams have had. Um, it's it's very strange. Um, and, you know, I'm not one of these Panthers fans that will literally shit on everything Sheffield do. Um, I appreciate them, that they've basically got that mentality of they win. They're, they're here to win and they will spend what it needs to win. And I appreciate that. Um, obviously, as a Panthers fan, I don't like it, but... Yeah, this that that reception was fantastic, and uh, you know, hopefully, 
we can get back into a semblance of normality going forward now. Um, now that's that's all done and dusted, which is, you know, losing Sheffield every game we play against them anyway. So I'm more than happy for that to be the case, my friend. <laughs> um, but just to kind of round up the, the subject, and I'm not saying it in a dis- dismissive manner, but obviously um, as a Panthers fan who's been within it week in, week out in the thick of it, can you kind of give an explanation to non-Panther how it's been like with the whole thing with Adam Johnson in terms of as a Panthers fan and, and what it's actually from outside looking in, it feels like there's that unity between the on ice, the off ice and the fans, which something normally you don't tend to have with Nottingham. Could you give us kind of a little insight if you can? Um, yeah. Um, you're probably right from the outside looking in. That's what it looks like. And that's what we feel. We, we, we feel um, certainly amongst, you know, my, the regular people that I, you know, sit with and and meet in before and after the games, there's the the the, the togetherness between the fan base and the management and the um, the players has never been like this for a long, long time. Um, you know, we, we it did get to the point where yes, we were being successful and winning trophies, but we kind of got it, almost like the team and the fans got separated further and further because the Panthers used it as a way to make money. So you you know you see teams. I can remember Sheffield bringing the playoff trophy into bunkers, for instance. We would never do that. Um, we'd have to pay ten, fifteen pounds to get a photo with the trophy or something like that, which is you know ridiculous. But um, no, as it is at the moment, I get it. Calgary just scored. Yeah, the, the, the togetherness. I think um, me and Scotty were chatting after the the, the Blaze game um, on New Year, and you said, didn't you, Scotty, that um, you just have to show that video clip of the fans and the players at the end of the game, the the, the acknowledgement together to any 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 new prospective player, and that's like a God, I, I really want to be part of that. Um, so it's real. That's really good. It's it's shit that it's it's taken what it's what's happened for it to become like that but i think the way um pasha etc downwards the way they've managed it has been fantastic and you know i couldn't be prouder um of, of my club at the moment no and, and you know like i say it's awful that it's been what's caused it to happen but it's in, in that respect it's also nice to see so to move on to the hockey stuff um you have had, um, in particular, the Brits had some a run of uh, of injuries. Do you, do you reckon once they get healthy uh, and, and more reinforcements, do you reckon we could see a bit of a run uh, in the second half of the season for the Panthers? I hope so. Um, you know, like I say, the, it, other than the odd game, we have been there or thereabouts in against everybody. And everybody else is, apart from Sheffield, everybody else is beating everybody else. We've seen tonight, like, three away wins. Who who would have called it? I mean, I personally went for a Panthers win tonight. I just felt it. But um, nobody saw the other two. Hardly anybody, you know, saw the other the other two come in. So, um, if we can, if any team can put on a run, um, you know, it, it bodes well for going into the playoffs. Um, and then very best of luck to uh, the teams that are still left in the Challenge Cup as well. But, um um, we are des- we are in desperate need of getting players back in the lineup that are out injured. Like you've mentioned, Tatlow and Betteridge in particular, you can't really replace Brits of that quality. Uh, we were we were so lucky getting Hazeldine. Uh, that was that was a came out of left field. So getting Hazeldine, but then he's got hurt tonight uh, blocking a shot. So we wait to see what happens there. Um, 
I think with with um on our last podcast I kind of went on a on a bit of a rant against uh, the ownership group and the fact that we're not seeing anything from them we need we are in desperate need of not replacements because I don't think you can split this group up but we need players to come in to give that lift we can't have we can't be playing 4D week in week out we can't be playing two and a bit lines week in week out because that's that's just going to you your injuries are just going to barrel roll off the back of that um, we've got a new lad coming in. Um, wasn't able to play this weekend, sadly, but so he'll make his debut in the the world famous SSE Arena. <clears throat> um, so that'll be in, interesting to see um, in Belfast. Um, by all accounts, it doesn't look like he's coming in to put the points up, but he he's coming in to play a role. He looks like he can win face-offs, which is something we have been. Ter- I think we're dead dead last on that. For face-off uh, face-off percentages, but he's also looking to br- bring in a bit of grit as well, which um, is nice. And the way we've our physicality the last uh, tonight and last night seems to have gone up a notch as well. So maybe even just the thought of another player coming in to support that has given the players a lift. Um, but I still feel we need uh, probably a new D man and a new, another forward to complement that group, um, and then roll that to the end of the season. Um, and we, we, then we we see where we are, uh, but yeah, I mean tonight might be the start of something great. It could be a um, what do they call it? Not a blip, but a positive, you know, just a false dawn. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> um, but we'll see. But like I say, the fans are just so invested. I'm known, well known, um, for leaving games early when things aren't going our way, and I've not done that once yet this season. Even the games we're getting, we got blown away by Sheffield. Stayed dead to the end because they that team deserves every bit of support coming off the ice last night it was a standing ovation we just lost in overtime to Guildford but there was not one Panthers fan that weren't cheering that team last night it's it's very strange but hopefully the players recognise that the the fans are fully invested and fully behind and more importantly I hope the management group above Pasha etc the money men or the money people um, really recognise that as well because we need some help it is strange times indeed. And in fairness, when we did the research, one of the stats we found were that your guys are at the bottom of it in terms of the um, face-off percentage. You mentioned, obviously, Felix Palais. He's available this weekend. But you've had uh, Farley and Desperates. And obviously, you mentioned Joseph Hilton. How how much have they actually helped in, in respect of just that energy, just that fresh energy to, to help that group of guys? Um, well, before, you know, before he got hit. Before both yeah. of them, they're both on the <laughs> injured list to, you know, come in and uh, um, Des Prez, as I, I nicknamed him, um, he came in and you could tell he'd played at a high, you can tell he's played at a high level. Um, his, his, his eye for a pass is, is, is phenomenal. Um, and he, you know, he's, he's obviously a big guy as well, which helps, you know, not the quickest on the ice, so you don't want him and probably don't want him and Caruso as a as a pair. But um, just his hockey IQ alone um, added so much, and you know, all the very best to Bjorken, who who effectively replaced. Um, I think we upgraded um, there with with Desprez. Farley came in, and he's another workaholic. Um, so he again, he's not he's another one that just doesn't stop for sixty minutes. Um, it's been unlucky not to have, you know, a couple more goals um, than he has done. Um, hopefully, you know, the two of them get. I mean, it was a, it was a, such a, a random injury that the one that Des Prez got in um, 
in Coventry. And you could see how upset he was coming off the ice after it. You know, it's uh, um, so hopefully he's back. Um, Rumours are that he might be back for Belfast as well, which is which is huge. And obviously getting McGurty back from suspension after that ridiculous challenge. Um, I'm all with you. Uh, Dan Green's comments on that were, uh, yeah, we won't we won't say what my original thoughts were <laughs> <laughs> when I heard what he'd said. But yeah, uh, bless him. He's you know he's uh, you know um, he's doing it from his Panthers bias. He's got to, you know they, they every webcast has their own uh, their own Panthers bias, uh, their own bias towards their own team. Um, but something like that, you you've got to put your hands up and go, yeah, that was a bit daft, and he could be looking at a suspension or two there, but. I'm looking forward to hearing the next Belfast and Sheffield podcast with their Panthers bias. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that, mate. <laughs> I can imagine Simon Kitchen doing that one. Um, two players for me that stood out for you guys, um, Mathieu Lemay, and I've got to go with a goalie, Roxanovic. We'll go Lemay first, who's been getting the goals for you guys. Has he matched or has he exceeded the expectations that you may have had when you guys announced him? Um, it was very short because I'm not one of these that sort of obsesses over you know, what they've done in the past. And obviously you have a look at their elite prospects and you look you look for pims, you look for goals, you look for assists. Um, I think we're about, we're getting what we kind of expected from him based on how we've been performing. Um, you know, had we had a few bounces go our way, um, a little bit of luck, um, we would be in a much better position than we are. And, and it's two cracking goals tonight. Um, and the difference tonight, I noticed, was we actually had a go. Uh, we 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 took shots when when in the, the last few months we've maybe been guilty of overplaying it. Well, not maybe we have been guilty of overplaying it. So Lemay, you know, Lemay smashing a couple in tonight would uh, was great. I think um, Michaud coming back as well. Compliment they complement each other really well. Um, so yeah, and and rocks has has been, yeah. There's a couple of them. You, you, you couple of goals he's conceded. You think oh, maybe you, you definitely want that back, or you know that was maybe a bit soft. But overall, he's been really solid. Um, cannot complain. I think we're getting from him what we saw in Sheffield. To be fair, um, he'll give you probably ninety five percent, and he always gives you a chance to win a game, which is all you want from your goalie. One thing I was going to say about Stanovic, what we mentioned when you guys announced him, is having a goalie that knows the league with his year in Sheffield gives him a little bit of a jump. Would you be would you be fair saying, and I think you've answered it already, how his performance of art has had that, where some players come in and they'll and they'll just bet they make it to Fife and go, Oh, or um Manchester. But having someone who already knows these places, has that jump been kind of has it been um, evidential to you guys? Oh, I mean that could that could come into it. Um, I mean it, it it can't hurt, right? Um, even like Fife getting uh, Linsku getting, you know, even though he wasn't able to play straight away, but I think that you know if you're getting a player that knows, like you say, knows those smaller rinks, shall we say, also you know knows the difference between the the the, the big ices that we have in in Nottingham, Sheffield, Belfast. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think in in Rock, hopefully we've got a, a goalie there that maybe we can ride for a couple of years because again, that's not something we've had for a while. We've another you know chop and change, and I wouldn't be dis- at this stage. I wouldn't be disappointed to see him come back. I think he's uh, he's he's done well, and um, 
Robinson, bless him, he's, he's had a couple of bad games, but then he's also shown us at times that he's there's a, there's some promise there as well. So, you know, hopefully we can build on on, on that. And last question for me before I bring Scott and John into it. I'm going to put I'm putting you close to the mass meter. Are we going to see the run in the second half that's going to get you to your own party in April? Our own party, yeah, behave. Come on. <laughs> when was the last? When was the last time it was our party? It's always your party. Um, yeah, because all the money goes towards us and not to the league, of of course. So uh, let's not forget who the chairman <laughs> of the league is. Um, and it's working well this year. It, it, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. Everybody's beating everybody else. So if one team can put a run together. In and that that goes into the the you know the the quarterfinals and then the 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 playoff weekend is a lottery. Um, I mean, we were bloody awful last season, but then we put together two performances against Guildford to get us to the dance, and then we gave Belfast a right good game in that in that semi final. They were just better, a bit like Sheffield are this year. The Belfast were just better. Um, I think that's why everybody's so pleased that Belfast are um, having the season that they're having so far because the last couple of years they have been the benchmark. And then, uh, you know, next season it'll be, well, if you know, if Sheffield go on a bad run, you won't see the other nine teams in the league going, oh, that's a shame, isn't it? Um, there'll be celebrations around the league, I think. But yeah, I think if we can put a run together, um, there is no reason why I... I picked us to win a trophy at the start of the season, either the Challenge Cup or the, or the playoffs. So um, my bet's still on, kind of. <laughs> and um, I, what do you need, though? I know you said that you frustrated with um, the lack of bringing in, not replacements, as you said, but a bit of help. You said a D-man and a forward, but is it just a D-man to shore it up? Or what sort of forward are you after? Because I feel like you need, I said last week, you need a player of your old ilk. You need just a goal scorer. Um, oh, do you I'd feel that to... team would fit, that, that sort of player would fit in with the mantra of this team? You know, like a flair player that you can just say, look, you're just here to score goals. Um, I don't think you get like a Jake Albraith, you mean? Who, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, for all his, his issues, or, he's a phenomenal, um, phenomenal player. Um, hair was diff- hair was different to Gal- completely different to Galbraith because hair worked his backside off as well. Um, hair was more in the Jordan Fox mould of where if things are going against you, as the New Year's Eve game game against Coventry, for instance, hair was just like give me the puck and get on my back and I'll I'll carry you through it. Phenomenal player. Um, um, yeah, we 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 need somebody that can shoot the puck. Um, that's the one thing that's like I say tonight was a, a bit different as, as as in we 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 had a go when when the shot shooting chance was there rather than overplaying it or playing one too many passes. Um, but everybody wants goal scorers, don't they? <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, no, they, yeah, they don't grow on trees. No, they? exactly. So, like, um, it, I just it's I, weird. For me personally, me. I want to see what um, the new lad brings in. Because I want I want us to see it being a bit more physical, um, and like I say, we're physicality wise, we've stepped up at the last couple of games, um, and he's you know he's coming in, he's coming in to win faceoffs, he's coming in to get in the dirty areas in the corner, like, almost like a Kevin Bergen type, maybe. Oh God, yeah. Um, I mean, what would a player you, he was. But the player I was thinking of, and would your fan base kind of accept it, like an Alexander Guptill? You're not going to get a back check. 
but you're going to get the goals. Would your team, would your fan base accept that this season? Because you've always kind of wanted to get away from it because even we could stem from the team Hollywood days. And when you're not winning trophies, Alexander Guptill gets looked at because yes, he's scoring goals. But if you lose three, two in five, it's straight away. Oh, well, Guptill didn't work hard enough. Um, yeah, uh, probably not the best person to talk about Guptill because I was firmly in the camp of, I don't see what he brings to the club other than standing on the goal line and tapping, tapping pucks in. Um, no, I, you, you're right. I don't think we can, uh, we've got the team there that would accept. I don't think the fan base is there that, that would accept a player that would, is literally just there to stand on the goal line and, and, and tap things in. If you can bring a player in, um, I mean, you can't replace a David Clark because he, he's British. But that sort of player, someone who's got that, who can let go of a one timer, but also doesn't mind defending when it needs when he needs to. Um, that would be it. And defenseman wise, um, I think we need somebody just to complement um, Des and um, Caruso because I, one my one concern at the start of the season was all our defenders seem to be very offense minded. And it was leaving us a little bit short at the back. So someone, again, that can just stay at home and just do no nonsense and maybe smash a few bodies around would be nice. You know, it's still <laughs> it's still ice hockey after all. We've not gone completely non-contact yet. And thank you very much for your time this evening. Um, and, and as ever, we'll get you on for a, a longer episode and we'll, we'll chew the fat and uh, we'll have some fun like we did last time. But uh, and thank you very much for your time this evening. Not a problem. And, um, you know, enjoy the rest of the season. And obviously, I'll, I'll see you in and around a rink sometime soon. Indeed, you will, mate. Cheers. 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 So, good uh, segment there uh, about the Panthers. Um, before we move on to the next one, Scott, John, it was, a, that was a, some good answers there and a good insight into how it has been over the last few difficult months for the Panthers. I like Anne because he says it like it is. To be fair, there's no pussyfooting about things and he's an honest fan. If things need looking at, he's not shy to, to call it out. It's just a weird one, isn't it? Because we said they'll go one of two ways. Either they'll get galvanised by what's happened or they'll go a little bit inward. And I think it's been more the latter, to be fair. And it's no one's ever been in that situation before in this league. It's, it's hard to really, I suppose, be critical of them as an organisation because they've dealt with one of the biggest tragedies, obviously, to ever hit the sport. I mean, I think it's just going to be a case of seeing the season out. Really, and realistically, I can't see them even getting to the playoffs. Well, I, maybe the top eight, but I don't see them qualifying for the final four. And yeah, it's 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 quite sad. Obviously, that the season that was looking very promising is now looking like it's going to just fizzle out into nothing. But by the same token, it's only a game, and hopefully, in time, the club will grow back to being strong again, and hopefully, they can. Uh, build and try and put what's happened behind them as best as they can. What I did notice was, um, especially early doors, and he mentioned pre-recording about how happy he was with the win, the emotion in his voice. Yes. That was very telling. And um, you can't fake that. And I, I was secretly happy for him. I'm never going to tell him while I'm there because <laughs> you know my feelings towards the Panthers. But no, it was... it's. Um, I feel like it was a weight off his shoulders that win and I'm not going to wish the Panthers well but a, a great performance by them tonight to get that win very much so and uh, I'm with you Scott we'll just say it on the quiet we'll move on to the next team and we'll move on to the minuscule 
Mini. They like to think they're massive, but we know better as the Glasgow clan. And we have previous guest on the podcast, uh, Sniper, on all accounts. Uh, but some dodgy-looking uh, attire on the film from Friday nights. Ross, Darling, Ross, hope you're well, my friend. How's, how's everything? Thanks, David. I thought that was going to be a small person joke there that Williams normally makes instead. <laughs> I'll save it for him. I'm not going to pick on Ross. You normally do. Well, you do look like you're dressed for some sort of like American kind of uh, all-action film where you're going to go killing people. I think looking a bit uh, menacing there, mate, with what your attire is at the minute. It's going to go homeless, but that'll do. We'll take that. Homeless? Okay. Well, whatever. Anyway, nice to have you on and nice to be talking about Glasgow for once. Primarily about Glasgow. Compared to the season you had last year, let's be fair, started a bit better already into the semi-finals. How do you think the season's progressed so far and have they met your expectations so far or exceeded or are you looking for more? Challenge Cup-wise, this is the furthest we've ever went, um, I think. So we're definitely doing better than, than previous in that respect. Um, as I've mentioned previously on the podcast, I'm not a massive fan of the Challenge Cup myself, so... Although it's one that, with all due respect, teams like us are, should be aiming to maybe do better in than the likes of the league, because you can kind of not necessarily dip in and out of form, but it's not it's not as consistent as you need to be to win the league. Um, so I'm happy with where we are, Challenge Cup wise. Um, where we are in the league, I think, is partially inflated by the amount of overtime losses that we've taken. Um, is it better than last year? On on paper, yeah. Is it more fun to watch? It's it's pretty similar. Um, it's definitely different, and I think the buzz about the club that the summer kind of had with the new owners, it's not necessarily been maintained. But we've had a few chats amongst ourselves that, outside of the Sheffield Steelers, and I'm not going to start up a Twitter argument here. Um, the rest of the league doesn't have as much to buzz about as they have done in previous years, so. Um, overall, I think there's a there's a building block there. I, I hope it's not wholesale changes like it was last year, um, but there's definitely a, a foundation to be built on. Not everyone has achieved relative to what was probably expected of them, though. Yeah, you talk about the buzz in the off-season and obviously the change of ownership and new people coming in. Obviously, Aaron Murphy's there in the background now as well. For all that... Um... Doc isn't mean as good and as exciting. They're getting big crowds. I think you sold out the weekend against Sheffield and you're getting well over 3,000 fans consistently night after night now as well. Do you think that the club is starting to finally go in the right direction in terms of off-ice now? You can maybe put past sort of uh, things behind you. And Do you think the club is now finally at one and, and pushing forward? No. Um, we've, we've always had big numbers just after Christmas. Realistically, we've always had... Um, a pretty big proportion of the, the rink that has been season ticket holders, which doesn't leave a whole lot of room for anybody else. Um, the interesting one for me, and I've made the argument previously, um, is with the amount of people that, you've probably seen it yourself, we've been going since 2010 now, the amount of people that I know at Clan Games is a lot smaller than it has been in previous years. So there's a lot of guys have, and, and girls have come and gone, Um there's always a kind of someone new to come in and pick up the slack. And I would argue that's probably good for the club's business model because you get idiots like me with closets full of jerseys that maybe rein in the spending a little bit. 
And if you're a new fan, you'll turn up and buy all the T-shirts, you'll buy the teddy, you'll buy the jerseys. Um, if everyone who had has been clan fans in the past hadn't left, Freyhead Arena would be too small for us. Um, it's fine to sell out a small arena. But like Cardiff Devils, John, if you've only got a small arena, you can only fill a small one. Um, so, yeah, we can fill it. It's good to fill it after Christmas. But until we're filling it at the start of the year and filling it to the point where there's an argument we shouldn't be in a 4,000-seater arena 13 years in, in the biggest city in Elite League. Um, sorry to be a bit Debbie Downer there, but... Ross, one of the reasons why we love you is you're honest. Yeah, you know, you're a bit um, like myself, you don't, you know, knock all a spade a spade. On that point then, has there been any talk about any progress about a new arena? Because... Under the previous regime, there was big talk about moving on and, and building a seven, whatever it was, 8,000-seat arena. That seems to have gone a bit quiet. I appreciate maybe things like COVID will have played a part in that as well. Is that just kind of pie in the sky now, or do you generally think that will eventually materialise and you could move on to a bigger arena? I don't know, because previously it was spoken about and nothing really came of it. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of the arena Deal as in, do they, do, I don't know if Clan physically own the rink or if they have a long term lease. Um, if they physically own it, then I would imagine it would be probably less incentive to flip it and then move to a bigger one just now because commercial real estate, how easy is that to flip an arena that's in the middle of nowhere in Glasgow um, or Renfrew? We're going to get the Giants fans up in one year, right? Um, so No, they never do that. Yeah, how easy is it going to be to flip that? I don't know. Um, where would you put another one that's not Brayhead? I don't know. Um, there's probably similar arguments to the likes of Caps with regards to relocating in that um, what you've got is what you've got. You should probably outgrow it, but there's probably not that many places better currently to put an arena and where would you, what kind of size would you be aiming at? My worry would be that something like Cardiff happens um, and the under shoot where we would like to have. Um, I think it's a massive, we use the massive pun again, um, it's a massive step up to go to somewhere like Belfast, Sheffield, size arenas when you've had the turnover that we have fans-wise. Um, it's all good to sell out a 4,000-seater arena after Christmas, but something in between the big arenas and what we have now would probably be ideal. But then do you then handcuff yourself for future-proofing in another 10, 13, 15 years? Um, I don't know. That's the sort of thing I would like to know, to be honest. See, instead of Murphy coming out, not slagging Aaron Murphy, I think he's done wonders for the club. But Murphy coming out saying, right, we're playing shit, the fans should, should kind of want us to be something different, stop moaning. Um, Long-term ambition, what is the club wanting to do? It's all fine and well saying you want to challenge the big teams and you want to challenge for top four. Um, but longer term, do you have something bigger than putting a bar in and changing the goal song? Absolutely. And we've talked many times about me thinking that this team could be huge. And yeah, I think if you can eventually long term compete with the likes of Sheffield, you've got to be sort of thinking bigger than that. And I'm sure uh, down the road we'll certainly find out. Back to the team this season, they've got obviously Charlie comes back scoring goals and Obviously, him and Hayden, you haven't got any sort of consistent goal scorers. Do you think that you've got enough depth, do you think, then to try and still compete with our top eight this year? Because looking around the roster, you haven't really got that sort of 
secondary or third line scoring consistently. Um, and obviously for quite a while, Hayden was pretty much on his own scoring a point in a game. Do you think you've got enough to kind of carry through to maybe get past the semi-final and maybe try and get to the final of the Challenge Cup? Up until Pelic was injured, injured, I would have said yes. Um, I think there's a massive drop-off at the moment between first lines and then further down. Um, We're a team that, one of the things I liked about Malcolm Cameron was that he said he wanted to be difficult to play against every night. Um, And it's something that has kind of been carried over into the ethos just now. And I like hockey by committee. Um, I actually quite like boring hockey, being a defenseman myself. I like negative hockey. Um, Games that aren't high scoring are quite boring. You grind out the odd 1-2-0 win. I'm cool with that. Um, The issue is, for me, isn't necessarily the point scoring. But as shown last night at Sheffield, if you've not got the guys that can dig in and score for fun, you can't afford to be going three nil down in what seven minutes. Um, so it's probably my my issue with this team has been more the back end. Um, you can squeak out one two goal wins with the teams the forwards that we have if you tighten the screw at the back. Absolutely, and you mentioned the back end. One guy that's impressed me massively is a guy that Cardiff I think uh, may have let slip through the net. Reese Kelly. I know with sometimes Brit defensemen because they're kind of. Few short in numbers, you don't really get a lot of credit. I've seen a few clan games and he's been outstanding this season. Now you've got likes of him and County and Forbes. You can almost run the four lines now, especially when you've not got any injuries. Talk a little bit about Kelly. Have you sort of, uh, as a, as a defenseman yourself, obviously, what you see in him that uh, as he's brought to the clan this season? If Lacho wasn't playing like he's 21 again, then I think Kelly would be our Premier Brit. Um, and I would like to hope that we don't do what we have done in previous years with young Brit defensemen, specifically Scottish ones, um, and keep a hold of him because he's a talent. Um, I don't know why you guys didn't keep him, but hey, your losses are again. Um, loss. I think there are there are times where he can actually make import defensemen look better. Now we've had the chat before about Cody Saul, um, and a lot of our fans have some weird love in with him. Um, and I don't think he's been as bad as he was the last time around. Um, I'm not a Cody Saul defender myself. I think the style of defence that Cody plays is maybe more suited for 10 years ago. Um, but sometimes Kelly and him, they click. Um, and there's there's bits where Kelly makes Saul look good and Saul does the same thing back for Kelly. And I think that relationship looks to be quite symbiotic. And I think the two of them might actually learn a bit from each other. Um, what a, he's a great wee skater um, he's not afraid to especially the last couple of weeks he'll chuck his chuck his weight about and um, he's got a good hockey hair going as well yeah much like yourself he looks like you know he could be your inspiration to uh, have a nice little ginger flow going rather I impressive was for a, a young Eric Carlson myself but I'm not much younger than him these days so he compares himself to Eric Carlson that's a big call Anyway, moving on to my, my one-way game goes the opposite way than Eric Carlson's John, but well, well, we'll have to get Greg on next week. We'll have to get Greg's opinion about you as a hockey player because Greg was your first ever hockey groupie, wasn't he? At the weekends, he made a point no, of coming Mel, to see you. Mel's been in my games. She said that was shit though. <laughs> Mel doesn't count. She's expected to be there. To be fair, but you know. Anyway, back to like you know, it's all about you, Ross. I, I, it's not. I'll come back and talk about your hockey career in a second, but we want to talk about Glasgow Clan if that's okay. If none of that doesn't. I was on the ice for them last week. Let's... I'm going to mention that. Don't peak too soon. 
There's some, there's some structure kind of going on here, Ross. Don't try and take over, okay? Okay. Goodness me. Back to the Glasgow clan, the proper hockey players we're trying to talk about right now. Obviously, we've been playing a 1A, 1B kind of situation this season, which has surprised me. Not many teams, obviously, we know do that. What's your thoughts on that? Do you think you'd like to see as the season progresses, hopefully one kind of pushes himself forward going into the running to try and let that team know that he's our guy, he's the one we're going to be sort of backing and then going forward, try and get a full, you know, starter and then the other guy's going to be backing up? Or do you not give a shit? I think they can have. Um, they're not quite 50-50, but I think for me and most of the fan base and maybe everyone that's not Jason Morgan, um, I think Kyle Leinen is is our, our, our guy. Um, I think Kayleigh has settled into, settled into a game. Um, but as far as the steadiness, now this is David's realm. I, I don't much love goalies. Um, they're weirdos. But um, Kayleigh is maybe not quite a safe feeling. Um, but what he does have on him that, he, that he's, he's he's coming at his own a little bit is the first save. Um he always makes the first save, I think, and then his rebounds can be a bit bit scary for me. And I don't think we have the defence to necessarily get on the rebounds quick and get them clear. Um, I think the team seems to play a bit more confident with Kyle in it behind them. Traditionally, you'd have like um, a young Brit that sits on the bench and doesn't necessarily play all that often, whereas from the looks of it this year, we've tried to play a bit more 60-40 with um, two import goalies. Um, I don't know how much the young guy Ewan Simpson will actually get ice time wise um, it's not a slight on him and I think what we're trying to do with developing him through the Pirates is a is a good idea um, he got on the bench the other night um, I think Carolinen is injured and that was why um, but I would like to see if you're going to run two imports that you ideally don't have an out and out starter and you have two quite similar um much like Detroit have done, although admittedly, John, that's been because all of our goalies are shit. Yeah, <laughs> with only three shit goalies. Yeah, but if you could get two similarly good goalies um, and share the load management, then that would be ideal, and I think that's a more modern way of playing hockey. Absolutely. Now, you may have mentioned briefly a second ago that you were on the ice at the weekend yep. in Glasgow. I'm assuming that after your expert uh, performance at the weekend and Greg's put a word in with Coach Morgan... Have you had the phone call yet for your, your trial clan next week or what? Luckily for um, Coach Morgan, he only seen me standing on a bit of uh, rubber as opposed to trying to skate and shoot. Um, or as I'm sure Greg will attest to the fact that it's not actually that good when he puts skates on me. Um, I had fun with that. Uh, the booze were quite nice. Thanks for that, guys. Um, so it was nice to play the pantomime bad guy. Um, I don't know if I'll be looking to do it again. Um but it was it was fun. Probably thought you were a mascot. To be fair, the size of you, they probably thought you were some like fourteen year old kid. And the ginger and the... hair, like Clangus. <laughs> well. Not going to dance moves. <laughs> no, I can't dance, so I've got no comment on that at all. Last thing, Roscoe, before we let you go, my friends, uh, expectations for the rest of the season. Then let's fast I... forward now to April. What have we seen Glasgow achieve in the next three months? If we stay where we are, I'll be relatively ha- happy. Um, Fifth or sixth, I'll be happy enough with that. Um, I don't know where we're actually sitting just now, actually, so that's a shit comment. I would like to be mid-table. Um, I don't expect us to break into the big four. Um, 
if we can win the Challenge Cup, that'd be class. Uh, I would. Uh, sorry, I'm just checked the league. We're at seventh. Don't stay where we are. That's it. Jump up a bit, right? Um, if we can go about fifth, I'd be happy with that. Um, ideally, I don't want to finish below Dundee because fuck Dundee. Um, if we could finish below above every other Scottish team, Coventry and Manchester should be there for the taking this year. Sorry, Scott. Um, I think mid table, I would be happy with and getting to a final or winning that would be cool. Um, playoff weekend, I don't know, we never go to that, so who cares? Um, but what I would like to see is a sad, realistic expectation as a Detroit Red Wings fan as well that these things take time. Um, this Steelers team, as good as they are, and everyone else having shot the bed, um, didn't come about overnight. Aaron Fox has been around for ages. Um, what I don't want to see is um, a complete overhaul of coaching staff. I would like to see Morgan get his kick at the can, see what the league's about and build on it. Absolutely, because if you keep doing that, you just go backwards eventually. Ross, tremendous mate. Thank you for coming on. Thanks Always a pleasure much. to see you, my friend. And uh, guys. Catch up with you soon, buddy. Have a good one. A very good insight from the uh, ever so positive Ross. Um, but Scott, uh, he make, make mentions about the goal situation, obviously because it was just it's just us two now. John's done his bit. Um, they are doing it completely different in Glasgow this year. And from what I've seen, and going what you've seen in terms of when they play commentary, it's looking a little bit more sturdier for me anyway. The net mining from from Glasgow. I think so, but I. I feel like they need to back a guy a bit more. Um, maybe go the 80, 20, 70, 30 sort of route. And as Ross said as well, there was one thing that bothered me with when the clan go on a couple of games run, there's no mention by the fans. But if they lose one, um, there's all Morgan out. There's the Morgan out situation. I don't get that. And... Um, I think Ross was 100% right in that you need to build on that when they mentioned Fox. He mentioned Fox and building something. Look, I know Fox hasn't won something and he needs to do it this year, which looks very likely. But just changing the coach every year isn't something the clan should do. And I feel like so far, riding the way they are, kind of doing enough to build on something. I agree with that as well, because there's also one thing that people have mentioned about Fox which I would say is a massive thing for Glasgow, is changing the culture. And you're not going to do that, changing your coach year in, year out. So Morgan, if he stays in two, three years, and mix them and gets them to, first of all, a, a consistent mid-table, um, and then they can push from there, you can only see that benefiting them um, even more so. So I, I think we're going to see some good stuff, hopefully, from the clan. Yeah. Well, Ross is still kicking about. He hasn't left. And um, does he disagree with anything we've just said? No. <laughs> I would, I would say Short, sweet, to gone. the point. I, I know, as Fox has been traditionally with Sheffield fans, Jason Morgan doesn't have everybody's buy-in. Um, and a lot of that is to do with mannerisms. Um, some people like the Adam Keefe get a bit infuriated and stuff. Some people don't necessarily need to see it. Um, 
if the guy is tearing him a new arsehole in, the, in training and practice and stuff, then great. If that's not his mannerism, I, I don't really care. Um, I would like to see just a bit of consistency. One thing I will kind of jump on what you said earlier on, Ross. First of all, yes, goalies are a bit on, on the different side. Um, on the other spectrum as defenders, but I, I really, I think in terms of what Scott's saying, going eighty, twenty, seventy, thirty, I think Carolina will be that one that Morgan will go with. I, I think he looks the more of the two, and I'm not saying the other guy's not, but he's going to win you more games. I think he's got that. He's like see goals and they'll have a chance of, of winning a game. He sees something in them and goes, yeah, he could probably do that. And I think, do you, what would you say that'd be the right call? He's Finnish. Is there anything that Finland does better than goalies? Not over the last 10, 15 years, no. For them. Um, you should go with just on that alone. Yeah. Um, but genuinely, like, I think he's a steadier, like, he's a more steady presence at the back. I would like to see them actually keep both and grow with both. Um, much like Belfast, I've done a little bit with Whistle. Um, although get it right up, Whistle actually the last time we played Belfast, right? Um, but <laughs> it's not not the sort of thing where you keep changing these things over either. If you can get a bit of consistency, um, then let the guys get used to the league. Let the pair of them build on it. Um, Healy's young enough that see if he's not your number one guy just now. He could be in two or three years. Yeah, and um, it's be it'd be interesting to see. And as we just said, I hope I hope the clan get a bit of stability. And it looks that way with with I know you said about building the arena elsewhere, but they are doing stuff underground on the webcast the other day. They showed how they've improved the dressing room. So Ross, thanks for joining us. We're going to do one more segment tonight and then we're going to do a few more next week so this is this is the final one of tonight and then we're going to do talk some hockey over the weekend so the final segment tonight we welcome Coventry Blaze fan Lewis Callant how are you mate oh, I'm good thank you mate good to speak to you boys again well the Blaze it's been a whirlwind December we were in beaten in nine we lost four in a row we won three in a row and then a pretty weird performance against Storm. If you give a, a two or three word review of the Coventry Blaze this season, what would it be? Ooh, I think the best way to describe us is Jekyll and Hyde. We are very, we can be very, very good and we can be not very, very good. Um, and I think one of our big problems is just consistency over not only stretches of games, but also a 60-minute period of, of, of hockey. I, I fully agree, yeah. Um, what would you say your pros and cons of this team is? We we signed a team, we've made a couple of roster changes, as you said, Jekyll and Hyde, but if you could sum up the team and how you enjoy watching us play or the results we've been getting, the results we've not been getting. Um. I think I'll start with the cons in, and what I just said is probably my biggest one is the consistency. We, I don't really recall at any point. I mean, even when we went on that, that win streak, we won eight games in a row, I think it was. And five of those games were overtime or penalty shots. Um, and then three of them were like two goal wins. 
And even in that period, I don't think we consistently played good hockey. We just managed to get some results. Um, and I think the last time I was on, I was talking about we were in a bit of a rut and we were going through a period of sort of starting games really slow or turning up for 10, 15 minutes during periods. And I still think that's a bit of an issue. Um, so consistency would be the sort of the biggest con for me. Um, in terms of pros, I would go for uh, netminding this season. Um, again, the last time I was on, I um, had just seen us play in Scotland and I was talking about Nolan Kent and how he sort of gave me the fear a little bit and that I weren't sort of convinced on him being ready. And since then, he's thrown that in my face. So fair play to him. He's put on a few really good performances. Um, I think there's been two or three games where if it wasn't for him, we'd have lost them. Um, so, yeah, I think, and then obviously Cozen has been solid. I think we've got two solid netminders, so I'm very happy with that. Um, I'm happy with, we've sort of started to see a bit more in the scoring. Luciani started to come on a bit more. Um, we've seen, obviously, Kobe Roth and McNulty, they started the season on fire, but we've seen Luciani start chipping in with some more. We've seen Talberg start chipping in a bit more. We've seen some more scoring throughout the sort of second line, and we're not just relying on that sort of first line. It would be nice to see a bit more from the third line. I know Mitch Cook is still sort of looking for his goal, but, you know, we're, we're getting that sort of coming through, which is nice to see. Um, and then the final thing in terms of pros, you just sort of touched on it, would be, for me, would be recruitment. And that's not sort of necessarily the summer recruitment, but the additions we've made. I think we've brought in Alan, who, for me, since coming in, has been solid at the back end. He's looked the real deal in defence. He's, you know, he's quite physical, which, you know, we we were sort of lacking a little bit. He's He's... Very, you know, sound defensively, is is sensible, is smart. He's one of those guys you don't notice him. He's just doing a good job. And now, obviously, we've just sort of brought in uh, Johnny Curran and we know what he's capable of doing in a Blaze jersey. So I think recruitment-wise, the additions that we've made during the season has been very positive. With the, the bringing in of Johnny Curran, Johnny, look... No. Our top point scorer last year, he gets the chance to go to Slovakia. No Blaze fans gonna like care about him leaving in that sense because you know it's a short career and needs to be made. And I, I think when it when that didn't happen, Belfast come calling. He's gonna jump at that chance. But what can Johnny Current bring to this team in the sense of yes, we have the McNaughties, the Christos, and the Roths. Where do you see him? fitting in. I know he was on the second line tonight, but what can he bring to this team to make us a four wins, four losses, three like bizarre team to actually give us a consistent level to fight for effectively top four? We want to finish a, a successful season for the Blazers to finish in the top four. We know Sheffield are running away with it. Second is in out of grasp, but what can he do to get us there? Well, I think we know he can score points and he can score goals. And that's sort of first and foremost what he needs to be doing. And I think with him, you know, what what you have to also consider with Johnny Curran is he's eligible to play for GB. 
He's not had a good start to the year. He's not had a good start in Slovakia and in Belfast. We've got a world championship, so there's the Olympic qualifiers and stuff coming up. He's got a point to prove to get back into that squad. So he's coming back to Blaze, maybe with his tail between his legs a little bit. You know, he's tried to go somewhere else. It's not worked. He needs to get into that GB squad. He's got a point to prove. And, you know, his first weekend back, he gets a game-winning goal and he gets a goal against um, the Storm on Sunday. I think we'll see what we saw out of Johnny Curran last season. Where he fits in the lineup, I'm not too sure. I quite liked him on the second line tonight. I know against um, Dundee, he started off with um, the guys he played with last year. But, you know, Danny, Danny will, will mix him in and blend him well and know where he fits and... He knows what he's going to get from that type of player and so do the guys that have already played with him. So he'll fit into the room. He'll fit into, he knows what Danny wants. He knows what the club's about. And I think we'll see a good Johnny Curran for the, the second half of the season. Yeah, he's going to have a fire in his belly. And some players just suit certain clubs. Um, so hopefully if Johnny Curran wants to stay out his days in Coventry, then that would be very beneficial, right? The Blazer in the semi-final of the Challenge Cup, it's a competition that I want to win. But we have a very stern test in the Sheffield Steelers, who are an absolute juggernaut at the moment. Um, we've not played them for a, a little while now. We've managed to take points out of the two two league games we've played in Sheffield. But if we are to win, how do we beat the Sheffield Steelers team? I think... It's a bit of a cliche saying and a bit of an obvious thing. I think the home game is crucial. So, I mean, we've played the Steelers three times this year, twice in Sheffield where we lost in overtime and once at home where we got smashed 5-2, I think it was. So maybe our team is suited to playing on that bigger ice. Maybe, you know, we're, we we like playing in Sheffield and Nottingham and Belfast and places like that. We've we've picked up points there throughout the course of the season in those sort of arenas. Um, we're a better team since we played them, but then so are they. So I think the home game is vitally important for us. If we can, similar to, to the Giants, if we can go, you know, if we can not lose that home game, we give ourselves a big chance. Um it's, yeah, like I say, quite cliche to say, you know, you want you need to win your home games. But I think away from home, we, we if we put in a performance like we did in the league um, and then we, we can do the business at home, we, we, we have a chance. I don't want to sort of say too much because obviously they are a very good team this year and are running away with it. And you know how words always come back to bite you. But I'm sort of quietly optimistic that, I don't think we're out of it. I think if you look at like previous years when we've played teams in the Challenge Cup or in, in sort of knockout format games in playoffs, we sort of like expect that over two legs we're going to lose. And there's just something about us this year where I think we might might be able to, to edge it and, and finally make a, make a foot cup final. I just want to talk about the run that we're on. I mean, you can talk about those Cardiff games that were, were terrible. And then we win three in a row and you think, oh, OK, we're getting back going. But the Storm game uh, that we lost 2-1 to, do you feel like there's an element 
of those silly instigator penalties that have happened cost us the game tonight. To set the scene, Ulep goes in for a big hit. It's a bit naughty, and Alan jumps up to confront Ulep. Doesn't do anything. Storm go up and score. Coral a two on one. It affects the game. Do you feel like the the team have just thought shit? I can't fight now. Yeah, it was a weird one because I, I I messaged you when it happened, and I don't necessarily think Ulet is is throwing that hit with the intention of it being dirty. Or no, I agree. I agree. He's he's thrown a hit, and for those listening. He's thrown the hit where the plexi starts at the end of the bench. So I think it was Kobe Roth that took the hit. I'm not 100%, but the Blaze player that's taken the hit is sort of being boarded slash sort of put into that corner bit of the glass. And it's just a nasty hit. Like, I don't think, again, there's no malice behind it, but it's one of those hits that most of the time either an arm's going up or... The gloves are the gloves are coming off, and I think if you if you do get a chance to see it, you let when he throws the hit, he sort of stands there for a couple of seconds, looking around, almost expecting something to happen. I think it's like it's almost like he's sort of saying, "Oh, I'm going to get called here, or someone's going to come and cave me facing." And Alan, to be fair to him, he does make that sort of advancement and that sort of. It looks like he's almost gesturing that we're going to go here. For whatever reason, they don't. But because Alan has made that advancement, he's then lost his man behind him, who then goes through to the the two-on-one and scores. So the question there is, is he thinking of that instigator penalty and putting the team down and being out of the game for 17 minutes? The interesting thing, I think, with that, is sort of thinking about it on reflection, although he would have got like a two plus 10 for instigator, I think if he had fought him, I think Ulet would have got a boarding penalty to sort of like even things up. I think the referees would have called, would have given him like two for boarding and five for fighting. And then Alan would have got the two plus 10 for instigator. So I don't think we'd have been on the PK. I think the referees would have evened out a little bit, but I do think that, that instigator penalty in the back of his head may have stopped him from doing that. And from what we've seen of Alan, I mean, I said earlier how much I've been impressed with him. When we signed him, a lot of his clips were him, you know, being physical, having fights, doing that sort of role. So I was a bit surprised to see that he didn't do that when that happened. Yeah, I mean, absolutely clutching at straws I am tonight for the reason for our loss. But, you know, we've got to take it. David, John, I mean, it's my team, so, you know, I do have a, a little bit bias. You boys have watched the Blaze this year. Is there anything you want to put towards Lewis? I'll go on the Challenge Cup um, tie because, as we mentioned, I do fear the Blaze. Um, yes, everyone is saying that juggernaut and, and superlative left, right and centre, but if there's one team that if we're not on our game that can bite us on the arse, it is the Coventry Blaze. You mentioned the, and I said, I, I agree with you if you can keep it tight um, at the home game. But do you, if we're going to deep down and go even honest, is it, do you really could do with like a two or three goal lead? Or do you think you could go, Lewis, let's keep it tied like you did against Belfast, treat it as a one one off game and roll the dice there? 
I mean, in an ideal world, you want to lead, right? Like, you want to be going into that second game 7-0 up and not having to worry about it. But I think, realistically, we have to think of the team we're playing and, you know, the the, the likelihood of us taking a commanded lead into the second leg is very slim. So we need to, I, I think, and I hope, I'm right in saying this. Whoever wins the tie, I don't think we'll run away with it. Um, potentially famous last words there, but I do think it will be a very close tie over the two games, and that's I think potentially benefits us. I think if we're still in the game and it's getting a bit late on, and the the, the you know the Steelers, I think. Although, you know, you, you take one game at a time and you, you never look past an opponent, the Steelers are the favourites in that game. And they know they're the favourites. And after what happened last year and the way the season's going this year, the pressure's on them to beat the Blaze. So if we're still in the game and we're keeping it tight, maybe they clutch their sticks a little bit harder. Maybe they make a few riskier plays and that's where we can then potentially capitalise and pinch it. I hope that's the case. I don't want to be going into the second leg five or six goals down like we have in the past in, in knockout games and knowing that it's all over. I, I want to kind of drop, drop onto a different topic before I go back onto the semi-finals because I think, and again, yeah, it's, it's the geekiness of the, of the netminder, you've, you've got a one-two duo in Cozen and, and Kent who are really giving you a chance night in, night out. We was down for the game against Nottingham at your place and, and watching Kent keep your guys in it was was and as a performance was one of the best I've seen across the board for some time. How important is it been for your guys? Because your guys have traditionally had the one guy rinse him to the end, like most teams in the league, as, as Ross mentioned. But having that duo now, and you actually can go any night in in Coventry, either of these guys can win. How how impressive is that from the team moving forward and kind of getting your guys back to the the, the old glory days. Yeah, it's it's the way that hockey's gone recently. And, and as you say, we've been traditionally a team that have, have taken one goalie and sort of ran with him through, the, through to the end of the year. But I, I said it in sort of talking earlier in, in the, the sort of the pros and cons stuff. Kent, to start with, you know, he's a young kid. He's still learning his craft. And I, I stand by that he did look a little bit shaky at the start of the season, but he has come on leaps and bounds and you sort of you talk about that Nottingham game um, by all accounts the game in Dundee as well um, if it weren't for him we were going to be you know out of that so it's one of them where now we've got that and we've got that bit of confidence in him not only as a fan base but as a team the guys in front of him that are on the ice you know it's just it's so important to be able to do that in in this sort of day and age in hockey, to be able to give guys a rest, let people recover, let, you know, if Cozen's taken a bit of a knock or if Kent's taken a bit of a knock, you know, there's no worry about potentially making that injury worse and no disrespect to, to Will Bray. But, you know, Will Bray is, you can't be putting him into semi-finals and elite league games at this stage in his career. So, to have that option there is is crucial for us. And last question from me. That first leg is probably one of the biggest games in Coventry for some time. What the likelihood of, of us seeing a, 
similar attendance to what you've had over the festive period because you've been a, you had some really good attendances. Could you see another one for for the semi final first leg? Um, unfortunately, not. I just I, as much as I'd like it, um, it's just one of those. So a Wednesday night midweek sort of game, which we historically I don't really think do well with. Um, I don't know whether the club are going to do any ticket offers. There's nothing that I've seen at the minute which suggests that. But if we're charging full price for a Wednesday night game in a Challenge Cup, which you know we've not really taken seriously or performed well in over the past few years it's going to be a difficult sell, I think, for us. Um, it would be nice if we could potentially get season ticket holders in there. I don't know if it's included on the season ticket, but if it is, you know, maybe give it season ticket holders for free, bring a mate for a five or a ten or something like that. Just try and do something because you guys know, you know, you've been around hockey a long time. You know what a full and loud and intimidating place the Skydome can be. And that's the sort of thing we need to see us through that first leg. We need the crowd. We need to to make it a shit night for the Sheffield Steelers. They don't want to be coming to our rink and, and enjoying themselves and having a quiet Skydome uh, because then they could potentially run away with it. I'm not going to lie to you, mate. I hope the latter does happen, but I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, Lewis, thank you very much for your time this evening. Uh, Again, great insight to commentary players, and uh, we'll get you on again in the next few weeks, maybe just in and around the uh, the semi finals. Yeah, no, great. Good to talk to you again, boys. Thank you very much. A big thank you to Ant, Ross, and Lewis there. A mid season review, and uh, we will do a couple of them over the next coming weeks. But <sighs> we have to talk about the Sheffield Steelers. Four games in six days, three away from home, one at home, four wins, a 4-1 win in Manchester, uh, a 5-1 win, and then a 5-1 win in Cardiff. An easy win as well. And then a 6-3 win in Glasgow, and then a home win against Glasgow. Kind of 3-2. Maximum points. I'm not going to go to David first, because he's going to tell us that Sheffield have not won the league. So I'll go to John. They've won the league, haven't they, mate? Well, my predictions are not normally exactly very accurate, shall we say. I kind of given them the league. Uh, well, didn't give them the league back in the summertime. Yeah, yeah. Let's stop pretending otherwise. I understand David's stance on it and other Sheffield fans' stance on it because they've been there before. Um, whilst it's not a question, they could still potentially go and lose eight or nine games over the last 29 that's left, and that wouldn't be a disaster. If they did go and do that, Belfast or Cardiff have to win every single game between now and the end of the season. Let's be realistic, boys. There's nobody really challenging. There's no one putting a, a consistent performance in night in, night out. Even the Tories, they kind of uh, came along and looked like they were going to try and have a bit of a run for in and got beat at home tonight. The difference is, and without repeating ourselves too much, there's just too much depth in the team, even when they're down to three lines at the weekend, essentially. They were exhausted. They played four in six days, wherever it was, or something crazy like that, in three different countries. But they they got things right. They travelled from Cardiff to Glasgow, and they did all the right things to prepare for the game. Yeah, even taking you know taking into consideration what's happened with Sheffield the last three or four years at this time of the year and the inevitable shit in the bed that they've done. 
I, I can't look past them. I really can't. And if David can bring some kind of, I suppose, uh, sensible approach to it, then then fair enough. But if I was a betting man, which I'm not, and if I was a decent uh, predictor, which I typically don't really well, I'd be tipping and gambling on Sheffield having won the league already, and other teams are chasing for a second spot right now. I, I the bookmakers would have paid out, David. Don't disappoint us now, but I will lead you in with this question. That result in Cardiff, men against boys, a real clutch towards a title, surely. Surely you can admit that. I'll admit this. I've never seen a team go into there, or even the big blue tents, or even the, the WNIR, and win when they had to go into third gear on the odd occasion. It was beyond easy. I've never seen it before in my life. I, I enjoyed have it. times. Trust well, me. For, well, good for you. Um, it was a good question asked to me. Thank you. You've had your time. Go on. Um, <laughs> um, I enjoyed that it. That's what we mean to go on. <laughs> exactly. I enjoyed it because, I, you know, normally games Sheffield, Cardiff are, you know, absolute humdingers. And that was the one game that I did go, I said on the on the pod and, and privately, that, that was the one where this could be the cards on the table. Things are shown as in directions. Yes, directions are shown. Um, and what I was impressed that night, um, it was across the board. Not one of the games over the four, the four and six, has it been one person doing the, the points? It's been spread. Um, what I was also impressive, and it's some of that, and you two now have heard our, our fans like to say the waste of time, uh, waste of time goals in every single night, apart from maybe Saturday night. I, I, I can't remember if we did score on the power play, but power play goals, two, three, one. And we don't normally have a good power play, but at the moment, that is humming along very nicely. I said on the last recording, if we can sweep the points up, the dial changes. And it has changed. The next four games. Now I'm just going to add it on because it builds up. But one thing I'll say to this, for the next four games, we do eight points. It changes on. But what John said, 29 games left. Next Sunday, we actually hit the halfway mark. I've already said at the beginning of this episode. And I just, I can't let myself get excited when there's half a season left. There's too much time. And I'm not saying this team can't do it. Let me get, make that clear for anybody listening. I'm not saying this team will not do it. But I'm not getting excited for it. I'm a bit more than I was last week. I'll give you that. And it was like I said to you, the day will change. The more results, and it's just that, yes. We'll get to and the thing for my seven next four games. We'll get through most of January. We'll then come up to the semi-final, which I think will either be, as you were, or a nice kick up the ass. Either way, for the end target, I think that semi-final is actually quite nice for us. It has more benefits than just the a potential final. I was impressed with the team. I was impressed with Fox's use of Morales. Who were man of the match last night, just like one save at the very last second, clutch save. So he used the goal as well, so he didn't rinse one. A lesson maybe learned from last year. Um, Newman took a knock, so Vidal's got him. And okay, last night he, you know, got himself kicked out on a spearing call, but he's used the roster, he's used his roster well. Um, he's tried keeping the lines as consistent, given 
illness and whatnot. And what I was also impressed with, and we'll see, is the team invested. They stayed over in Cardiff and said on the on the on the Wednesday and flew up on the Thursday to Glasgow. From from a Sheffield fans, but that is impressive investment. And I'm not saying they don't invest, but it is invested at the clutch times, and that was one of the clutch times. So for me, well done on the planning on that. We're steps further. We're getting closer to that finishing line. And yes, people are saying of gaps, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I ain't going to disappoint you. We're not there yet. We're getting there. Two questions, David. Then two questions. First of all, first of all, who's Morales? Second of all, who's stopping Sheffield? With Have I pronounced my other goalie incorrectly? Um, so I so. apologise for that, um, and allow you to pronounce our goalie correctly. Um, and I said to you last week, it's not a case of a team. There's one team I go, they can pull us up on it. It's the fact that we could, let's say we lose six, seven players on injury. I mean, all right, at the moment, we're three players down. Um, Newman, Sam Jones, Brandon Whistle. Brandon Whistle's allegedly three to four weeks. Uh, Sam Jones, two weeks. Newman is roughly day-to-day. Do you add another four or five players down to there? That depth then becomes, it, it gets shortened. And then that's when more potentially happens. I'm not saying they're not good enough. I, I can't say that. The results speak for themselves. I think it's like 11 wins in 22 days. It's something stupid like that. But the potential that always happens, with or without the Conti Cup, as some people are now starting to mention already, trying to get that uh, boot in on that one. Oh, fuck that. Oh, no, I, I saw it, and that was my same reaction. It's still there. Still potential. But it's, look, it's looking a lot better, this, this, as we spoke last time, to now. Okay, let's have a pod vote then. League one, Scotty. Mate, the league's when we know it. There we go. Two to one. So, David, you've been ousted, I'm afraid. David, I can... Look, right, that Cardiff game, they are your closest rivals to this competition, and you dealt with them with ease. The power play was purring. You went down... um, First minute? First 26 seconds. 36 seconds. Mm -hmm. 36 seconds, and I've seen No big deal. I've seen some jokes about that's what you get out of the misses. That was the performance that the Cardiff could give. And then the big boys took over. That, that's what <laughs> happened. You didn't, you did not have any issues in dealing with the Cardiff Devils. The adversity you had this weekend was you were pretty flat in Glasgow at times. Greenfield was switched on in the sense of Kylie kept kicking the, the nets off the moorings. There was a bit of pressure coming back from Glasgow. Greenfield knew that there was no calls on Kylie. He just leant into the posts. Oh, oh, they've gone. Oh, let's stop. Clever play by Greenfield. You win the game, and then you get people saying the, the Steelers are dirty, the Steelers are that. No, the Steelers are just winning. And that's it. I can't... You are not going to lose in your 10 out of your last 26 games or whatever it is. The league is done. Please... Please humour me and John and say it's the... not humouring you. I, I can't. <laughs> um, it has been too long. I'm going to say one thing. What you mentioned, I, I'm loving the new tagline that the Sheffield fans are kind of embracing. That it's the um, the orange bastards. And I know certain parts of the world that may not be um, approved, but it's a tagline that the Sheffield fans are kind of embracing. And uh, it's you know, add magnificent orange bastards or dirty magnificent orange bastards. But either way, it's some, It's a weird one that it's been embraced. Uh, but uh, ask, ask me in a few weeks' time, and I may humour you. Things are okay. When you spend like... I've, I've, I've got, look, I've got to say, guys, it's been eight years. 
And I appreciate for Scott, and I'm not taking a piss here, it's the longest since last time you in the league. Um, I'm, so I'm looking at it from a Sheffield perspective only, and that's a long time. And last two years, as I said before, I thought we could do this. We're going we're gonna to sweep the lot to get fuck all. Am I excited about this team? Yes. Does this team entertain me? Yes. In every area, forward, defence, net-minding, PK, power play, yes. But you'll see a lot of fans in Sheffield. And, John, I suspect that your your better half will be maybe the same, that, oh, we've, we've, it's there, but we're not ready to be excited yet. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of annoying. I want to see, like, you know a new... Let be annoying be, but let me be annoying because we, there'll be a point that we will get relaxed. And you'll start, hear, you'll, you'll start hearing the conversation of when, not if. Okay, right. So the gap doesn't decrease over the next how many games. When is David Grant going to chill the fuck out and then accept they're going to win the league? When Rob Dowd lifts Monta. So about start of February <laughs> then. Well, it'll come a point. There you go. No, even even um, even a pandemic can't stop it. Um, although, oh so yeah, I think, imagine, although, imagine the although, pandemic. I believe some from some fans would love that. to see that. Um, but then we can claim that we, you know. Won the title. Oh, let's no, move on. Let's move on. Exactly. Not gonna, not gonna. Next, next. I'm going to just. I just want to say one thing. I just want to say one thing. Um, I'm loving uh, the social media element of, of Sheffield fans on the wind up, um, and certain fan bases either saying chill out or or whatever. And certain people, and they also well, do listen to our pod, have been very much enjoying themselves the last years, dishing out the. Um, the banter, shall we call it, to Sheffield and other fan bases. It's the first time for a few years that the, the coin's been flipped. And now you're on the other side. Just enjoy it, boys. Like you told us to enjoy it. Some of it has been over the top, but then some of it from your lot, both Cardiff and Belfast, was over the top as well. It's Sheffield's turn now. So, uh, exactly. suck it up and enjoy. You can't take it. Don't freaking give it. Says the elder of the parish. He speaks wisely. Eventually you mature at some point in life, David, as you've seen with myself. I'm a former <laughs> winder merchant, <laughs> former giver and receiver. And now I just try and chill out and just let the games just happen. Let's Scott take control again because it's becoming a bit of a sideshow here. And Scott looks a bit frustrated there. Oh, no, just, uh, just David, next week I want, I want admittance. So yeah, I'll yeah. go on to the next subject. And I don't know if it's in the itinerary in the the running of the show, but stop it. Chris McKay in Dundee <laughs> takes. Oh. We, we, we said the other week, we stuck up for him a little bit. We said he didn't mean the cross check to Josh Waller. It was a bit silly. It was a bit naive. And then he does the same to Luciani, but this, this week's uh, camera sh- just shows that he is just looking straight at, Alessio Luciani and gets a free game ban lads any complaints and do you feel that Mark Lefebvre needs to be looking at Chris McCarthy and going what are you bringing to this team exactly that now it's three games one's an additional because he's a repeat offender um, I think that's one of the few that we've actually had over the years that's been repeat offender I can't remember many over the years that we've actually had given that additional game like you said we took up for him but this one was daft. And yeah, Lefebvre will be asking questions. Um, he don't want any of his imports sitting out because they're going to be pushing to make the postseason. 
and dumb players aren't going to cut the mustard. Just can't see it. And he's let us down a little bit. I know we won't even know that we stuck up for him, but it's let us down a little bit. John, what did you think, mate? Because like, it, it looks like his, his only thought was to make that play. Whereas yeah. the one with Wale didn't look like it, but the Dops, we've got no qualms with Dops, have we now? On this one. No, at the end of the year. I mean, but then they have pushed like, a little bit the whole season long, haven't they? They've had Johnny Walker running around like an idiot start of the season and you know, they, they recruited a team, I think, with a mindset that if things weren't going right, then we'll maybe kick off a little bit and get the fans happy. We win a few scraps here and there. And that's fair enough. If they want to go down that road, that's their prerogative. But now they're winning a few games and now maybe the, I suppose, expectations are a little bit different in Dundee. They're now maybe pushing to get a top eight spot. You've signed these players. They're capable of doing these kind of things. Um, so between... You know, Alan, Mackay, and Johnny Walker, they've signed three guys that are going to effectively cost them points, potentially, and and it's happened again. A lot of Dundee fans we're seeing on social media, so, you know, leagues going soft. Even one of our, our good mates is saying it. No, if you run around with your stick, like being an idiot, idiot, you've done it more than once, you're going to get burnt. And it's hard to have sympathy with them because I think that with a player out for three games, and it's kind of tight, that bottom 10 to... Six or seven is looking quite tight, and yeah. I think whilst the league can put some great results together, obviously they beat our friends across the water last week, as we know, they're starting to make me think that they're going to be the ninth place team and, and we miss out on the playoffs. And dumb plays like this, this time of the year, could cost them, and it'll be on them for allowing that to happen. Are you right about that? I hated reading the game's gone soft. When is a cross check to the been acceptable? And when it certainly is a cross-check to the head or neck area been acceptable. It was a, it was a weird comment. I was, I was glad to see that people jumped on that one. Bizarre, bizarre. It's become like, it's the go-to. You play against band, oh, game's gone soft. It wouldn't mm. have happened back in the day. No, no. Maybe it's education. That hits, any hit to the head area isn't acceptable. And yes, you know, we've watched players in Britain and the, NA, the NHL that have had careers in bone-crunching hits, but a lot of them was to the head area. Nowadays, they'd be doing 20, 30, 40 games. And I think people just got to accept it. You can still get some good hits. You still get great hits. Just be smarter. And then I suppose that's across the board. Can yeah, I just can... say one thing, though? Um, Dundee, they've got the talent there. Oh, um, and Lefebvre has changed the way he's speaking. We said about... His interviews, it, it was all blah, blah, gun, guns blazing, a little arrogant. He's kind of matured a little bit in the, the last few weeks in what he's saying. And he's saying, oh, like the, the Blaze played a good road game, but, but we were still in the game. At the end of the second, the other week against Belfast, he went, we're still in this game and proved right. So I think Lefebvre switched on a little bit more and um, they've got some very dangerous players, Spencer Nass and uh, Valentini. Valentini looks like a, a real talent. So if they can get the right mix, who knows what the Dundee can do in upsetting a few players. And uh, they spent, a few teams, sorry. And their players have spent time in the top 10, top five of the point scoring. Um, talking of Lefebvre's interviews and him smartening up, what about Pete Russell's interview after the Chicago Sheffield game? Three minutes. We was trapped by the Elite League. And thank you for giving us the whole segment. But uh, what a segment that were, gents. Long overdue, should we say. 
Um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that uh, he's frustrated a lot of fans. Now, I know it. Yeah, some fans will always be on board or wherever, and they'll never be critical. But when you're coming out and seeing your coach being quite passive in post-game interviews when you're losing and he's, he's smirking and he's, you know, he doesn't seem to give a shit, it, it doesn't fly with, with fans. It really doesn't. And I think that was probably the best interview he's probably done all season. Um, I think it kind of bought him a bit more credit with the fans. If that's, I mean, and don't get me wrong, he may be doing that in the room. He, he may be saving that for when the boys are, you know, are in a safe environment and he doesn't need to tell the media anything uh, in, to some extent. But let's not be naive. Um, sport is an emotional thing and fans want to see passion, whether it be from players, coaches, whatever. And he's lacked a lot of that until now. I think Belfast are very lucky. Um, we saw a reaction last night against Manchester, dominated the game. Um, Belfast, of course, didn't make it to Cardiff today. Appreciate the weather. And whether we want to go into a bit more detail about this later, I don't know, boys. You know, I'm sure it's worthy of a, 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 a bit of a bigger chat at some point later. But having won that game on the road last night in a very tough place to play, the crowd was expecting a big performance tonight. Massive from Cardiff. And Belfast obviously got beat again last night. I'm certain Cardiff would have come out and, and played that game well tonight and Russell would have got the result and, and then beaten Belfast convincingly. Um, of course, they'll have to go another day now when Belfast bring all the new players in and perhaps the result may not be different. But I think in terms of the best team to play reaction would have been Belfast tonight. And I think Belfast have dodged the bullet a little bit there. But yeah, for Peter Russell, I think that might be a turning point for the season. Um, I think players on that team who may have been coasting, they should be under no you know, in certain terms now that their jobs could be on the line, and rightly so. And he's got a bit of fire back in the team. Um, and let's just see whether that kind of carries on or whether it was just a little bit of uh, a flash in the pan. But good to see, obviously, he's got some energy back and it's good to see that uh, he's got the fans backfiring a little bit because he did himself a lot of favours there after that result. The one thing I did like is he were, he was critical of it all, but he still backed his team. You know, to use the old certain fan of Sheffield throwing on the bus. Never threw any player on the bus. He said to him that it's unacceptable, but he knows he can do it. And he challenged him in a, in a way which was, you've done it before, show it again. And yeah. yes, the words would be better for the Cardiff fans on about the weight of the shirt and what it means, which would have spoke more volume to Cardiff fans. But I was impressed. It was, was smart, but delivered so much. And for that first time in a while, and I, I want to see more of it. Across the board, I want to see more coaches if they are either in praising or in critique. Just give more because, my God, we got a hell of a lot out of that interview. Well, we called for it, boys, didn't we? Let's be honest. We said it. More passion, more energy, more passion. Um, about the I footwork? Di- I disagree <laughs> that he didn't throw his players under the bus because he, if you say two times in 15 seconds, I'm not throwing the players under the bus. You kind of are. And I feel like he did that publicly to say, I'm not going to name names, but lads, listen to this fucking interview because I'll say what I say in the dressing room. And that stays between us. I know they do the little bit behind the scenes, but they can edit it to how they want to. If he says that and it gets listened in the wider audience, the players might think, oh shit, he's serious in what I'm saying. So saying that two times, it is a kick up the arse and to go into Manchester, get the 4-1 win, I 100% agree with John in the sense of 
the time to play Balfossus tonight. So I feel like Balfoss may have escaped that one. And um, it would have been interesting to see the response from last weekend for the Cardiff Devils. So um, I feel Balfoss may have got away with that one. Very much so. And uh, I'm sure there's about four weeks until the transfer deadline or ITC card transfers kick in. It's around mid-Feb. I thought it was the last the, the the last weekend in Feb, but who knows, mate? Who knows? It's coming up soon anyway, so yeah. they're going to have to make changes if they want to do anything this season. And as we mentioned, um, they should have been playing Cardiff and Belfast. However, due to um, the fog in Belfast, they couldn't get over to Cardiff. Um, it makes you... I'm not going to lie, it does make you smirk. The whole logistical challenge and logistical lines was given to everybody left, right, and centre. And obviously, they couldn't make it, and that's understandable. Just makes you smile a bit, doesn't it? Did they make it? Now, listen, we all know we're going to get backlash of the Belfast fans or back everything they do. Now, if this was reversing the rounds and a team didn't get to Belfast, different reaction. I've seen a few Belfast fans already. There was flights leaving the International Airport today, and I appreciate this, the City Airport and International Airport. And I, obviously, none of us will know if they've really tried hard. It may have meant getting to Bristol or getting to Birmingham or going up to Dublin or flying to Cardiff because there were flights leaving from the International, flights leaving from Dublin. Um, and it was kind of known fairly early in the morning that flight was not going to go. Certainly enough time to hopefully get on a plane somewhere and get somewhere on the mainland and get to Cardiff. It may have been late. Now, we heard all these stories of, oh, we got across land via plane, via boat in shark-infested waters, by a helicopter, by wherever car we flew on, a wherever, a kayak. Well, you can't find a kayak, can you, really? But whatever Belfast did, they got to Cardiff when it was a final with a trophy at stake. And they did it. They got there. And they beat all the odds. But really... Did they try as hard as they could try to get to Cardiff? Did they explore every avenue to get from international to someone on the mainland to get from Dublin? Mm, there were fans already in Dublin en route to the game, and they got they they could have got over. But I mean, at the end of the day, you can't dare slag off Belfast without the mafia coming after you. So perhaps their fans are more the uh, experts on on what would have gone on today. But in my opinion. I'm not convinced that they couldn't get there. Very convenient oh, timing for me. You're going to get slated. Ooh. I'm going to stick up for the Belfast Giants. Very rare Nunk. that I do this. Um, there's never been... They don't cancel games away. I can't remember a game that they've not turned up to. Um, the game exactly the point. Yeah, okay. But there's never been... The, the fog was a real thing. They've not made up fog. No, no, no I'm just saying it wasn't a real thing. Why not to naive? get 25 players onto a flight, what, you don't know that there was 25 spare spaces on a flight. You have to then still get to Dublin. You have to then do the logistics. I, I, I don't think it's fair to question whether Belfast would have turned up because they're only, <laughs> at the moment... Stop the Sheffield Steelers, it probably would have benefited Cardiff winning that game. <laughs> so I, I no, I, I, I don't I don't know. What the the flight was supposed to be at nine forty, I believe. So when did that get cancelled? Nine, maybe? Uh, to get to six. You can't get even though 
I'll tell you what, Stenoline Belfast Giants, they should have put on a private ferry, surely. But no, I I I I I'll go against you on this one, John. I'm happy to go against me, and I'm happy for them all to come after me. I don't give two flying fucks, to be fair. They give it and don't like to take it. So if they want to come after me, crack on, all of you. Um, but you said yourself, how many games have they had to go to Scotland where the, road, the waters have been choppy in the northern, you know, where it was called, northern sea, where it was called, Irish sea. I don't even know where it's called. I'm not very good at geography. <laughs> how many times have they had to fly to, like, wherever in Scotland, you know? The what sea? Where is it? Is it the Irish sea? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's next to Ireland, mate. Overcomplicated. I was, I was going to say the English Channel was a little bit lower than the English Channel. Yeah, welcome to the like the geography podcast where oh, I know God. nothing about geography. But yeah, like you said, I mean, there's been games in Cardiff where the teams have arrived late. Belfast being one of them, they got to the game late. The game faced off late because of problems flying. They got there. They changed their flight to Birmingham. I think it was. They've done it before. In the BBT, they can do it. It may have meant getting to, say, Birmingham, East Midlands, and being a bit late. If you get to like Cardiff at six, seven, and the game starts a bit later, fine. I am not going to be convinced by anybody that that couldn't have happened with the amount of flights from Dublin and the other airport in Belfast, but Dublin especially to the mainland. There was flights to Manchester. There's Birmingham, Bristol. Anyway, they want to have the players sacked, the Belfast fans. So bring the players over. They want to keep then. So if it's like nine spaces on a, on a flight to Birmingham or to Bristol, crack on. The other losers can just stay behind and just have an early night. Two-line hockey with the players that they want to keep. Tell us how you really feel, John. I, was I, feel, I quite... feel you sat on the fence there a bit. What do you reckon, Scott? Do you reckon a bit of fence in there? No, Too subtle. Passion. Passion. <laughs> passion. Yeah. Pete Russell showed some passion this week. Jonathan Williams has showed some passion. So I'm all for it. Absolutely. Um, that's it for what I have. Uh, I have one AOB. Uh, gents, do you have any, any other business? Um, I hope I'm not stealing your thunder a little bit, but... My AOB is thirty-five grand raised in three games on fifty-fifty by the Sheffield Steelers, and I think that you know, when you saw the, the the number on Boxing Day, you know, we talked about this before how it's become like an event on its own. Okay, some uh, poor soul left six grand behind on uh, the Manchester game. Oh. I'm assuming it's someone who's gone home sulking and the team was getting beat. I'd like to think it's something that. The person doesn't even know they've lost the money because that would be a sickener. And the rollover, of course, meant that excitement built last night and it built and built and built. And there was someone that took home 20 grand, give or take a quid. So 35 grand as the giveaway prize was was going crazy. So 35 grand as the earned prize is probably more than a good chunk of teams doing the whole season. If you look at like the non-arena teams, they are making 35 grand in like 30 odd games if you count Challenge Cup. So, yeah, that was incredible work by the staff, you know, the volunteers, the fans who spent all that money. And in January as well, when everyone's meant to be skint, that's just an incredible achievement by all concerned. And, uh, yeah, a second person in the space of a few days has gone on with five figures in the, in the bin. The queues looked- around the concourse. 
and outside before the game and in the areas there's like new stalls in like the, the gateways were ridiculous. Trying to move around last night because people were queuing because they saw the numbers. I think midway foot first they were already saying it was thirteen grand. And you're like, aye aye. This is going to be something different. And the queues just got bigger and bigger, like I said, the excitement built in. And yes, we have the numbers to do it, but that takes a lot of sales. 70 grand, 70 grand across the board sold over three games. That is on, on one particular raffle. That is a hell of a, a, a deal. Uh, and I think more of the volunteers. And I know that members of, of the staff, of the Steelers, yes, I know Dave Sims does it a heck of a lot, but some others was getting their hands dirty and selling tickets. I was looking around and I'm like, what are you doing there? And literally it's like, you've got to get your hands dirty. And they did. So I think uh, congratulations to the sellers. And I know all sellers around up and down the UK do a heck of a job. But given the volume, I think uh, additional fair play to us uh, in Sheffield over the last three games. Um, and, I, you know, we always say you can't compare numbers because of the, the capacity in, in terms of venue. Percentage-wise is where you compete. And hopefully, you know, it's areas where I know Sheffield have led the way. I know Cardiff do a bit better. Glasgow, Sheffield found money on Friday. That was nearly two grand. Now, and this is money that's going to help the clubs. And if they can continue to work together and just give clubs extra income. I know uh, if I was talking to a friend of ours who was a Hall fan in the NIHL, and they had a 1700 prize over Christmas. In the NIHL, you you know Class. when you've got like, when you've got yeah. volunteers that are getting them results, you've just got to say fair play. Don't matter what yeah. your team is, but fair play when you're getting them results, especially in you just after Christmas, January the skip month, where there's five hundred days in the month. You know, fair play to them all. So it's also uh, the turnaround time as well, though. It's all a good selling tickets. You've got to move those tickets to the point where they have to be. You have to you know get those tickets separated and and all you know accounted for. It's a lot of work in a very short space of time. A lot of pressure on them to do that. So, yeah, good luck for them. Good for them for doing it. And that's one thing I think Sheffield has been very good at, is they can somehow attract massive numbers of volunteers to do these things. Other clubs don't seem to have anywhere near the numbers, even if you'd like pro rata it for the size of the venue. You've got like a handful of you know people selling. Sheffield can hit you in all spots when you arrive, when you're going for a piss by the programme, even in your seat. They hit you, hit you, hit you, hit you. And... That's how you get the money, and it's working. So you two will now know, even where I normally sit, and, and okay, one the one person that comes around knows a few of the guys who stand around us, but the walking around, she has a card reader, so you can pay the card. It's just the little investments here and there that other clubs can do to just increase what they bring in. And, it, you know, if it allows a Fife, just to go for, to Fife, for example, to bring in an additional first liner, it's there, and it'll help them out. So... I think well done to them across the board. John, have you got any other uh, business to discuss? Scott? Um, no, I haven't. Um, but I, I will say this. Uh, tonight was a, a, a weird one for us. It's a new one because we were saying about bringing in different voices. Uh, we're going to do it again next week. So we are going to have um, Dundee, Sheffield and a Cardiff mid-season review so hope you've enjoyed it also i just want to do a quick mention to your two got used to with kevin tanzi great episode really enjoyed it you not being a part of it you can relax and you can enjoy you can listen and i thought this is one of the reasons why 
the Sheffield Steelers are doing so well with players like Kevin Tunsey. I know we spoke to Colton Sourceman as well. Um, a, a great listen and some great feedback. So if there's any other players that people want to listen to, we will try and speak to. Let us know. Um, I'm gonna yes. I'm gonna say yeah. You could tell the character in that interview. And me and John said straight away, like yeah, we we could have gone on for a long time with Kevin. Um, and the same with Colton. In fairness, so uh, we're gonna we go. What 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 we're I'm gonna say it now. We're gonna we said we're gonna try and keep it to thirty minutes. We're gonna just get that out of the window. If the players want to talk, we're gonna talk to them. Yeah, so long, exactly. So, so long as it's not um, Zach Sullivan, two and a half hours. Not that that was any way poor uh, material, but two and a half hours may be a stretch. Um, Four hours afterwards as well. Yeah, but no, we've had some (laughs) great feedback. The numbers, um, we track the numbers, is actually our best overtime episode and actually competing with some of our early normal episodes. So, and in fairness, when I went to the game, I was like, a number of people like, that interview loved it really good and in the engagement between it. So thank you to everyone who's enjoyed it. Um, and if this is your first ep- proper episode that you're listening to, uh, yeah, enjoy the, the roguedness that we've done in terms of the mid season um, reviews. Let's say we'll do it for another couple of weeks uh, and that will be it. Um, socials, Twitter, Instagram, at Free on Free Podcast UK, Facebook, Free on Free Podcast UK. Please follow, subscribe if you're on Spotify. Search for us. Uh, we have got really good numbers on that. Keep on subscribing and you'll get a notification when our next episode is uploaded. That's it. It's been a slog, but it's been worth it every second. Um, Scott, John, thank you for your time as ever. Thank you, boys. Before we check out, we've also got um, two goalies coming on, haven't we? So they'll be the next two, likely. Yes, we have. Do you want to name names now or we'll just let them just drop near the time? We'll drop near the time. Sounds good. And uh, as ever, I have no regrets. What I've said earlier, no regrets. Any doubt. <laughs> well, Scotty, we got him singing. Yes, yeah. We've also got a ref coming on. Let's close the gate, boys. Yes, I think it's that time to close the gate on this episode of the Three and Three podcast.